how would you like to double your traffic? Hey, this is Jared Krause, host of the Buying Online Business Podcast. And in this episode, I'm speaking with SEO Steve Weidman, who has been an SEM and an SEO since 1998. That's 23 years. And technically, Steve started SEO and search engine and digital marketing before Google even existed, which is crazy to think about. Now, in this podcast episode, Steve just fires us with information. It's super, super valuable, and I'm really grateful for having him on. In this podcast episode, Steve and I talk about why you should never buy backlinks and how Google's getting better and better at detecting backlinks that have been bought. But he also talks about what we can do instead to get a ton of good backlinks with white, with a good white hat strategy. We also talk about how to build a content roadmap that can set you up for five years of content or more to be able to keep that content creation ball rolling and to solidify your brand and to really boost your traffic in your space. We also talk about how to build a bigger brand with your competitors, right? Or bigger band, not just with your competitors, but also against your competitors and some super smart strategies within that. We also talk about how I helped a client double their traffic to one page quite easily that you can do as well. And it's a simple process. Then we talk about how to outrank our competitors and so much more. Guys, this is such a valuable episode. You're absolutely going to love it. Let's get started. Today's episode is brought to us by Niche Website Builders, which is a company a few of my clients are using and have used for content creation and link building services. They do everything from start to finish. So from keyword research all the way to uploading your completed article for you. We've also had Bob members buy ready-made affiliate sites built by Niche Website Builders. So if you're looking to outrank your competitors' content and build better backlinks, Niche Website Builders and I have a special deal for you. Head to nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. I'll put a link in the show notes for you. But again, that's www.nichewebsite.builders forward slash Bob. Do you want to start investing in websites, but don't want to drop $20,000 on your first investment? Check out Odie's where you can buy premium age domains to build a website on and add Odie's done for you affiliate site package to help you grow your website and get seen. Instead of buying a crummy website that's been built to sell with no authority, buy a premium age domain with built-in authority, great SEO, and fresh quality content for your website. Head to odys.global to check out their great deals. That's O-D-Y-S dot G-L-O-B-A-L. Link will be in the description too. Steve, thank you so much for coming on the Buying Online Businesses podcast. Really excited to have a chat. Likewise, Joe. Thanks for having me. So you've been in SEO for almost 23, maybe longer, 23 years now? Pre-Google, yes. I'm, yeah. I'm an old timer. Yeah, yeah I had the cool. gray hair with the hat. You know, today, so I, actually have, <laughs> I have a, a friend of mine, Will Pemble, is, is hanging out with us this week, and he was the founder of Web.com. So, of course, I had to go to Disneyland and get a, a web hat just to, you know, remind him every day that, uh, you know, <laughs> so yep. just to have some fun. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been in search and digital the good part of 20, almost 23 years. So, did you start off with search engine marketing uh, and moving into SEO as that evolved as an even – as even just an industry in itself? Sure. Well, it wasn't even called search engine optimization, right? We, we called it internet marketing. We called it website promotion. Yeah. Um, you know, we, 
we called it just get traffic to the website however we can. And we didn't realize in doing that when we we're doing online learning online methods to drive traffic, that those online methods were, were being seen by the search engine crawlers, right? They're actually seeing all those great links and things that we were doing to try to get traffic and going, wow, this site's pretty popular. I see them in all these different directories. I see other websites, you know, talking about and linking to them. And so when, you know, when Google came out and they said, hey, we're going to be a search engine that focuses on off-page signals first, instead of what's on your website, the way that other search engines do, um, you know, it was, it was pretty easy to start seeing some ranking quickly if we were already doing um, some level of guerrilla marketing online, right? Yeah, especially since there may not have been that much competition as well. I mean, now everybody that sees a blog post about SEO can go away and do their own SEO to a certain extent, which makes everybody your competition. So, oh, the I've wild, not- wild west. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is we could cool. Do anything and everything. We, we could, it was, but it was, um, but it was, it was a mess that we now have to clean up. So, yeah, yeah. I wish the regulations and the guidelines would have came out earlier. Yeah, it's similar to our space. So everybody listening is looking to buy an online business. A lot of people content sites, so wanting to know about SEO. And when I first started in the buying online business space, and it wasn't even that long ago, it was probably like eight years ago now, um, the multiples for the and the price of the business was a lot lower. The competition wasn't really there. You could just come out with a great deal and it was – there was that wild, wild west where um, so many things just could go. Um, now it's as the we're, we're refining the industry a lot more, which is really cool. It's cool to see because it's safer. It's a more safer environment as well for uh, a lot of people. So I noticed that you've got few, a few different disciplines of SEO, I would say, for different business models. So what are the few business models that you work with? Is it the standard you know, content or media business, e-commerce, and then sort of SaaS? Like what are the, what are the main business models? All, all the things, Jared. <laughs> I would say at the moment our, our core competencies are in multi-location and franchise. So we, we help um, restaurant chains and um, sometimes national law firms and some other brands that have multiple physical brick-and-mortar addresses and we help them to scale. Normally, those, those brands have a team of three or four people responsible for hundreds, maybe thousands of locations. And um, you, know, you can't just go to every location page and say, okay, I'm going to optimize this page now, and then I'm going to go to the next one. And, and you can't repeat that 4,000 times if you're public storage. So, so we, we work with the, the developers to help build some logic in to dynamically put some things on those pages that help the pages differentiate from one another. We work with the content teams to create helpful, useful content that's easy and intuitive to use and to, um, and to navigate. Uh, we work with the off-page visibility folks to make sure that uh, whether it's a platform uh, with a service or if it's just a platform and we train the internal team to provide the service of getting each location into as many relevant directories and as many relevant local uh, mentions as we possibly can. Uh, right now, for example, um, Applebee's, a prominent chain out here in the, in the States, has uh, about 1,700 locations, and they're having trouble getting people to come and apply for work, right? They need staff. They need people. So we deployed a careers or a jobs page across every single one of those locations. And uh, the idea, of course, is, is to help them to show up in search results for restaurant jobs near me 
But to do that, it takes you know a combination of the technical aspects so that Google can crawl, index, um, and rank that page. It takes the content piece to make sure every career's page is somewhat different than the others, the other 1,749. Um, right. And it takes a little bit of that off page. So we've got somebody who's, whose role is literally to do some outreach and say, hey, we noticed that you've got a page on your um, Anaheim City website that says um, local job listings. We have a jobs page for the Applebee's or the IHOP that's in your area. Um, here's a link to that jobs page. Could you, could you maybe mention that on this page since you've already listed some of the other opportunities and Indeed and Monster? So now we've kind of covered all three areas. We've got the, the technical, the, the content, and then a little bit of that off page. So, so yeah, I do, I, um, I do enjoy the, the multi-location, but you're right. We do also work with e-commerce. Uh, a big hallmark project of, of ours that we've worked on since 2010 is Bob's Watches. So if you want to if you want to look at a 23-year senior search engine optimization guy's uh, collective effort over 11 years on a project, I would reverse engineer the category and product pages uh, for Bob's watches. Uh, pay attention to how we did our headings, our titles. Look at the markup that we use. Maybe just do a quick search for you know Google markup tool and see um, you know what what type of coding we're using to tell the search engines what that page is about and what the individual elements are about. Um, so, so yeah, a little, little bit of everything, Jared, but I would say our, our favorites, um, our favorite type of client is one that is challenged with scaling because we yep. love challenges and we love to work with brands to, you know, to help scale. Yeah. Bob's watches sounds an interesting one. So I'd like to dig into that one. So when someone sure. like Bob, if it even is Bob, um, <laughs> comes to you and says, look, it's Paul. Paul, his his yeah. brother's name is Bob. I think he just bought that name to piss his brother off. <laughs> now he's got a big <laughs> He'll never admit ball. it, but I'm pretty sure he did it to take his brother off. That's hilarious. So say somebody like Paul comes to you with Bob's watches and is like, look, I'm doing a bunch of paid ads here for my e-commerce business and it's getting a result. But I'm thinking like I want I, I don't want to have to pay as much as I am in ad spend right now in say five years time, I'm looking for a long-term approach. What do you kind of start to look at first? Is it like, let's look at the product pages. Like you mentioned some of the things just, just slipped them in there. You mentioned before, but what, where would you start with this with somebody with a store like that? So, so you actually started in a place that was, would be more of an advantage than where we started. We started with zero we didn't have any paid ad data to look at. Okay. It was it was an idea, and you know we we looked at the competition for all the different Rolex models and brands and product numbers and model numbers, um, and then we we organized you know all of that research into a plan. Um, you know, it started with a, a technical SEO prerequisite document for the developers. It went into you know a content roadmap of you know where what pages we need to create and how they should be organized, including supportive content that maybe competitors don't have. Um, it's it's uh, also included a sort of a baseline report, which is easy for a site that doesn't exist because that baseline is zero. But in doing that baseline, you can put yourself next to three, four, eight other competitors. And then when you rerun that every year, you can kind of see where their focus has been. Has it been on tech and page speed? Has it been on, on expanding the number of keywords they rank for? Has it been links off the website? So it's just a great thing to do because when, you, when you're working on any sort of marketing project and the client comes back and says, hey, you're, you know, you're doing a good job, I'm feeling the difference, but um, how better are we now than when we started? And if you didn't create that baseline, 
you know, you have no idea. You're like, well, analytics yeah. was at zero and now we're at a thousand. Like, that's not helpful. It's like our competitors were doing this and this is where we are. Then that last piece, you know, where, where do all those competitors get mentioned and linked to online? And, and can we run a pivot table and understand some frequencies to know where the best industry sites are going to be that link to all of our competitors, the easier websites? So, but, but you gave me a really good example of, of where we could start if they've already been doing paid search. We've already got data to work with. All we have to do is log into Google Ads or Bing Ads or both, go to the search term query report, the actual search terms that triggered the ads, see which of those search terms actually resulted in a sale, since we're talking about e-commerce. And then we, we prioritize those keywords in key areas of, of the pages that correspond to them. So we, we match it to the page that, that um, the ad group probably was pointing to in, in each of the ads. We look at those top converting queries and then we augment our content with those search terms. Maybe the, the highest converting with most conversions behind it goes into our HTML title tag. Maybe the one that is second, right? And it's a variation or derivative or, or you know, some semantic variation of that uh, other keyword is used in the H1 or the main heading tag that the user sees when they land on the page. And maybe the third, fourth, and fifth get applied to some of the subheadings within the content. So that's, that's one area. The next thing that I might do if I already have paid search data is I might look at the display. If they've been doing display networking and uh, network uh, where their ads are showing up on articles and anywhere that hosts Google AdSense, I might look at which placements have resulted in conversions and good traffic for us as potential link opportunities. Maybe even do some native advertising with them where we don't have to um, wait for our ad to get displayed in Google AdSense. We just ask them to swap it out with our banner and pay them directly. Google, I'm sure, doesn't like that. But if it's converting traffic, I want all of it. Right? I don't want to yeah, share that ad yeah. space with other advertisers. So, um, yeah. so I think that's where I would start if I had existing data. I would start with the, the query and the placement data. And then I would build out the, the technical, uh, contextual, and off-page um, SEO strategies. I want to get to the technical off-page SEO strategies shortly, but there's so many things that I want to decompartmentalize that you that you actually just went through. One of which is like you mentioned um, placements for ads of uh, you know what what stores or what placements are actually getting us sales for our advertisements. What I've noticed is like with some YouTube ads that um, we've been testing with different people is that. You can see what placements, if you're putting ad spend into placements of what video they're actually got, is you can go, all right, that placement is actually getting us more leads, more sales, whatever. You can take the title of that video and then use that as a keyword for your ads as well, which I think is brilliant. Absolutely. And we used to do that on main- Amazon back before Amazon had their ads. That worked like a champ. <laughs> yeah. And I think what people should really be picking up if they're not already is that what you're talking about is the data, if you've got data there, lean into it and use it because a lot of people are, are trying to find the next thing of like, oh, I'm, you know, this is working. What else can I do that's different? And yeah, that's, that's a good thing for, I guess, diversification of traffic strategy and de-risking your business in that way. But why not just do better at what is, is already working? Like tap into that data, right? So is that a big right. part of what you so, do? So many businesses don't do that. That's right. It's the only thing that I teach. People come to me and like, oh, I've bought an online business and um, it's an e-commerce business and I want to grow it. And I say, cool, what are your, what are your thoughts? What do you want to do? Oh, I want to add, add like, you know, 20 products to the store. 
I'm like, that's just insane because you've got one really best-selling product. Let's lean into that thing. Let's find out what it is. Yeah, and that, that product is on page six of the search results. Let's let's do let's do some optimization on that thing and drive some you know some free traffic to it. Let's let's um, let's compare it up to the top three ranking pages in terms of keyword usage, in terms of the UI, uh, the call to action. Let's let's see how long it takes to go through a transaction on their site versus ours. Let's do some yeah. crowdsourcing and let's ask a thousand people. Uh, which of these three pages would they choose and why? And don't tell them which one's us and which one are the other top two ranking pages. And let's get some of that feedback and, and theme it, aggregate it, um, you know, come up with, with some specific actionables from it, run some tests and see if we can get that page to perform better, both for, for visitors as well as for search engines. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you also said that you, you mentioned like what what are this like this is on page six. What are the competitors doing? And you mentioned that again. You mentioned it earlier as well. That's a big part for people to listen to. Is like you're getting you're not reinventing the wheel, right? You're on page six and you're going hmm, or you've got a you know where your site is overall as a whole and then you look at your competitors and like what are they doing with their links what are they doing with their content what are they doing with their keywords you're going away and looking at your competitors and not trying to work it out yourself because they've already worked it out you can just start taking from them what's already working right is that a big part of your audits and what you do competition research oh it's it's for sure you you're the data is always, like you said, the greatest place to start. What's already been working for us? Because we don't want to lose that. When we when we create a new roadmap for 2022 for inbound marketing, you know, we we don't want to cut off the the goose, right? the goose's head per, per se. Um, yeah. You know, we want that goose to keep laying golden eggs for us. So you know, we start with the data we already have, and then you know, we we pull those competitor insights. And it, the more competitors you use, the the more aggregate data you have to make good informed decisions about if one competitor happens to be getting traffic from a random search term but none of the other competitors are then it's possible that users sort of correlate that search term to that brand and even if you do optimize for it you might not get the traffic you expected so it's always it's always in your benefit to take as many competitors as you can you know um, take all the information from them do some do some math to figure out where those frequencies are this keyword is used among six of our competitors on their page, mm. um, whereas this keyword's only used on two of our competitors. Mm. Still interesting and still good for expansion down the road, but start with what you know is the most relevant and closest to the center of that semantic web of words and, and places, um, you know, to put your time and energy for sure. I think that's a really valid, um, a really valid point. There's there's not there's not really any sort of inbound marketing strategy without that competitor research. And there's so many tools, Jared. I mean, you've, you've probably heard of SEMrush. There's Hrefs. There's Moz. Um, if you're an enterprise brand, you might enjoy using Conductor Searchlight. That's one of my favorites. Um, there's Bright Edge. There is Search Metrics. There are so many tools that enable you to, to collect data, decide which keywords are the most relevant, decide which pages on your website should match to those keywords. And if there's not a page, then put that in queue for the content writer and let's get that page up uh, and created. Um, and then, you know, from there, you watch those search terms, you watch your ranking for those search terms. Maybe you group them by department or if you're e-commerce by category. And and then you look and you say, hey, we're not really performing well on Rolex Submariner. What's, what's going on here? All right, let's look at our Rolex Submariner category and see what the competitors are doing that we're not. Oh, this is interesting. They're using a very short answer 
at the top of their page. And they've got some, some jump to links to different sections of that page beyond just the product details. Whoa, look, when you scroll to the bottom of that page, they've got the history, they've got pricing, they've got how to choose the right one, they've got a video, they've got all this really rich media on their pages. And we've got manufacturer content that we copy and pasted that Google's kind of ignoring because it's already in their database. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe our effort should be let's let's redesign this page to make it better than those top three pages. Let's incorporate the keywords from the top 10 pages that appear for Rolex Submariner. Um, and let's make sure we've solved what it is our users are actually looking for. What are they saying in their reviews? What are they saying in our competitor reviews where we can learn from that language and, and write our content to solve the, the actual end desire of why it is they were searching for a Rolex Submariner. Do they really want a diver watch? Was that what they were looking for? Or they just think the Submariner is pretty because of the colors, right? It's probably yeah. because of, you know, the, the, the prior. So I think, well, I think that's, that's a big part of, you know, your, your behavioral um, content strategy is understanding the needs of the customer and how the top pages might be solving for those and mm -hmm. trying to incorporate some of those ideas into your page and then making it better, making it more helpful. Yeah, that's the exact strategy that we've used in the mastermind for one of my clients. He joined, has a content site, so basically a blog, and we just went away and was like, cool, you you know, let's redesign the site a little bit so it's got a better user experience. Let's change some things so we can get some EAT positioning. When we do get traffic, people can start have a bit more trust in the site. And then we went, all right, let's focus on some of the content now. And he asked me a really good question. Should I, Jared, should I go away and just create new content or should I, you know, update some of the content? And I said, look, we can do a strategy of both at the same time. Let's not burn ourselves out here. But what I said is like whatever content you do create, it needs to be far more superior for say it's a search term that you're trying to rank for. Um, that piece of content needs to be far more superior than whatever is on page one. And so we went and found something that was like ranked 12 or 15 or something like that, the article that he'd already written. And we went away and looked at what, like what's the jump links, what's going on at the bottom of page, top of page, what's the content like, how valuable is it? We recreated an update. It on mobile? Yeah, all of those things and then, you know, by updating it within two weeks, he'd increase his traffic by 50% just because he made his piece of content Amazing. better, right? So, like, it's not like we... And a lot of times we're still we're still doing it from us, though, from our point of view, instead yeah. of from what we think our customers want. So I think that's that's the missing step there is let's, yes. let's see how it's definitely make it better and let's do it again. But let's get our customers to tell us what should be on this page instead of us just saying, here's what we're going to put on it. We hope you like it. <laughs> You're right because the right. marketer is already telling us what it wants because that's why the other competitors are ranked number one because the market, it's not, you know, we're all putting, we can all put out what we think they want to know about the product or in, in the description and all those sorts of things. But the market's telling us that this is at number one because this is what we want. It's not because they knew what to, well, maybe they knew based off some data of what to create for their article or what to put in their article, but that data came from the market, right? So we need to really listen to the market. There's a lot of ways you can source some of that, those ideas. Uh, you, know, you can look at the Google um, search results and look at, um, my phone's gonna go off here. <laughs> uh, you can look at what questions, related questions, you can mm. see in answerthepublic.com, uh, you can see different ways that, that people are asking questions uh, about the product that 
that could either be supportive content for the page, or if there's enough to say about it, it could be a supportive page underneath the page. That way you're not just competing with a page versus a competitor's page. You're competing with a section of content where the competitor has a single page. So I would say just continue building out more and more and deeper, deeper content on those competitive pages. Um, you know, if, if long-term you want to, you know, trump the competition because they're not going to rest on their laurels. They're going to keep chipping away and testing yeah. and, and trying to get better. And the yeah. one thing that they don't want to do is they don't want to invest time creating a whole section of content for each important keyword. Um, they just, I don't know if they've realized the, the dollar implication of what it could mean and, um, and they're just not into it, but um, so far, the clients that I've helped succeed are the ones that are willing to take that risk, uh, invest in some really well done, supportive content underneath those really competitive pages. Um, and they do great, but the competition, they just, I don't know, they just don't want to spend the time and do it. So, so there's, let's, there's one way you can beat your competitors right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Let's let's break that down. So, because there's people here that are looking at websites for sale, um, blogs, and and like, okay, cool. I've sure. got three of these pages that are the top pages of the site. You know, one of them may get 25% of the traffic that come to the site. Another will maybe 12, and then another maybe 11%. And if you look at that, right. that's like a th- almost a 40% of the traffic is coming to those top three pages. So that's a big risk if you've got that much traffic coming to those top three pages and you lose one, you can lose a lot of traffic, which means you can lose a lot of revenue. So, we, yeah, we need those supporting pages. So, where do, you know, say we've got a keyword that is like um, something about watches, if we're going to use Bob Bob's watches, for example, say it's a, a blog site. Sure. How would you go about finding, supporting or creating supporting document? Would it be, right. I'll, I'll let you run with the example. Sure. So you talk about a seed keyword, right? The seed mm-hmm. keyword in this case might be, well, we're using Rolex Submariner, right? That's a specific type of watch that has a specific audience that, that like uh, that particular model. And so, mm-hmm. so we take that seed keyword, Rolex Submariner, and we put it into some of these keyword tools. They answer the public, for example, and we find out what, who, why, how, where, uh, ideas, tips, right? We find all the different words that people are using uh, where Rolex Submariner is included in that phrase. We go to scmrush.com and we do the same thing with the seed keyword. And then we toggle over to the questions only tab, right? Or we go to conductor searchlight and we put in that seed keyword and we go to all the different in- intents and where the, the user is in the, the buyer's journey. Is it lower funnel, upper funnel, right? We take all those different ideas. We take out the ones we know we're never going to use like scam, uh, broken, um, maybe we don't do repair, right? And so we kind of keep some of those keywords off the list or we give them to the PPC page search people and say, use these as negatives, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, once, once we've kind of established that, yep, let's say we have, let's say we have 200 keywords left after doing our purging, we start taking those keywords. We take the, the broadest, which is Rolex Submariner, and that becomes the root page. Mm-hmm. And then we take all the other themes and some of them are going to be the same keyword just with different words in between Tiles. that all mean yeah. the same thing. So yeah. we take we take the user intent of, of each group of keywords and create its own subpage for it. So you end up with one parent page and with a hundred, maybe you end up with um, I don't know, let's just say 20 or 30 subpages. We had we had an attorney who wanted to rank for truck accident lawyer. And in our research we found out people were searching for 
dump truck accident lawyer, logging truck accident lawyer, cargo truck, um, uh, mail truck, delivery truck, right? Yeah. All the uh, cement truck, all these different ways that people were searching. And each of those had a different user intent and allowed us to create a whole sub page. Now, some, some of the search terms you're going to find in the groups, like, okay, I got a group of keywords here and the search volume is really low, right? In general, it's Google's numbers are all relative because they, they group words, but um, let's just say there's less than 20 searches a month for these search terms. In total, there's less than 50. You're like, all right, let's mm. let's not create a whole page for this. Let's yeah. address this in an FAQ section at the bottom and put right. some code around it so that Google can show that question and answer um, mm. in their search results because it's a helpful piece of that page. We'll let their, their passages update where they're, they're measuring the relevance of a section of the content versus um, the, the entire page itself like they used mm. to. So we'll, we'll let the passages update do its thing with those keywords. But the ones where, wow, there's, there's this whole thing about history of Rolex Submariner. We can create a whole page around that. There's one that says um, how to find your Rolex Submariner serial number. That's a whole other page, too. And we can do a video on how to do that, and we can show a yeah. diagram. Hey, there's another page on here that says, uh, or keyword, that's Rolex Submariner versus president. Let's do a little versus versus section or, or a page on that. So someone who's doing Submariner versus president can find that page and decide if they want a Submariner or president. So, so there's so many ways that you can take all of that aggregate keyword data, organize them into groups based on what the user's intent of those search terms are, normally five to 10 keywords in a group. Um, and then those become sub pages as long as the volume is there to support it. But they also become ad groups. And when you're using ad groups in your, your Google Ads account, your Bing Ads account that are targeting more upper funnel um, queries, you're, you're not going to have any competition. You're going to pay you know, pennies on the dollar, get super high quality scores. And when you do convert some of that traffic, when you bring them back through remarketing, you'll find that your cost per acquisition was significantly lower because you're not bidding $50 a click for Rolex Submariner. Instead, you're bidding um, you know, 11 cents for history of Rolex Submariner, right? So, yeah. um, so I think there's, there's dual advantages to the, the long tail idea of SEO, but in, in taking the time to, to do that really exhaustive research, you're building the content roadmap for the next five years and you'll, you'll have enough content to work on to build enough supportive, helpful content underneath that page you want to rank that your competitors are just never going to keep up with you. They're, they're just going to piecemeal little things that they're learning from you because they're not going to take the time to rebuild that content map. For Applebee's, it was 185,000 keywords wow. and it took six months. For the brand Jacuzzi, we worked with them. We had over 18,000 keywords. Like how many different ways can you say hot tub? Apparently 18,000 ways. <laughs> and it took us three months to organize all of those keywords into what later became you know, the, the, uh, the updated site map that you see on the site today. So, um, so yeah, it's a lot of work. It's yeah. not cheap, but it's worth it. Yeah, that's definitely worth it because what you're doing is you're doing all this work at the start that's going to build you, like you said, that content roadmap for many years to keep creating content. Each piece of content that you create just makes your brand stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and harder for the competition. And you know where to put it. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of businesses don't know that. Uh, Jared, it's, it's funny when I, when I look at and I ask what's your content strategy we found a bunch of keywords in SEMrush. We just grabbed a bunch of them, and we're putting them up as blog posts. Like blog posts. Blog posts are for like news and events and things that are happening with your company, staying in seasonal conversations of you know what's going on. Um, that's really good supportive content you're creating that belongs underneath that 
page that you've been trying to rank. You've got it in a completely different section of your website, yeah. right? Why would you yeah. put your best content there? Sure, you can you can use the blog to promote that evergreen content and link to it. And if if uh, if there is a site that is um, that's actually consuming your RSS feed, you know, from your blog, you might even get a link back to your primary page from that syndication. But um, but for the most part, the no, nobody has a content map. Nobody has a content strategy, and I think that's that's something that that feels overwhelming. But but I tell you, once you once you've put all that together and you've taken the you know the the three or four months that it takes to build that out, you know exactly what your technology team is going to work on for tech SEO. You know exactly what content you're going to be writing and in what order based on where the 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 volume is and the relevancy is. You know exactly you know what sites you want to get links from. And now everybody knows what they should be working on. They know their goals. And once yeah. a month, you sit down and you review, how are we doing with chipping away at those tech items at our content map and at our off page, as opposed to it being, oh, we're doing SEO <laughs> versus, yeah. um, you know, how, how are we doing with the deliverables that we've already mapped out and just checking off boxes, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the cool thing that people can do is they can hire uh, an SEO like you guys to help build that roadmap. And then just go away and and then just do the work. Do do what they're told basically by a pro. With this roadmap, so you've got a content roadmap. You've also got um, off page. You mentioned you know you know which links to go away and you know to point the pages. You know to point to what pages. What sort of things do you do or suggest people do if they're like you know a small team or just themselves for some off page SEO once they've got their their content roadmap built out. Sure. Yeah, Prior, prioritization right? on the on the technical side of prioritization, um, I would focus on uh, that mobile experience more than anything. Okay. And when I say mobile experience, I mean a user can can have their phone and with one hand and just their thumb get through an entire experience. Auto filling fields, having a floating call to action at the at the bottom of of your phone. Um, it's it's making sure that a user can very quickly and easily get through a payment or get through a lead flow without having to use their mobile keyboard. Um, that would be number one. Uh, also, prior, I would prioritize uh, speed, right, with the page experience update uh, recently that, uh, that Google rolled out starting in June and just ended in August. Um, you know, plays a, a, a pretty healthy role overall in the technical components that I, that I would focus on. Um, I would say security. Nobody's going to go to a website with a broken SSL. And your HTTP should always forcefully redirect to HTTPS, so you never have to worry about a user being on the HTTP version of your website. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say accessibility is also going to play a role in privacy, uh, especially if you're serving EU. You've got to have that GDPR. If you're selling California, you know the the CCPA is going to be something you want to pay attention to and at least add to your privacy policy. So I think those are the primary areas that that I would focus on if I have a limited team. Um, all of those are, are available in, in like your your standard tech audit that you run. Uh, ours we give away for free in our our. I have a a course at Academy of Search. It's the same course, very similar to what I teach at Cal State Fullerton over here, one of the colleges I'm an adjunct professor at. And uh, what I did is I curated some of my own content and I created a a way for people who want to learn and do their own. So that audit, um, you know, when you when you get into the program, by the way, your your listeners, if they want, they can get free access to it. Yeah, Just what's use the link for SEO that? SEO Steve. Okay. Academyofsearch.com. Yeah, cool. I'll put a link yep. to that in and the show. And use code SEO Steve. Awesome. 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 
And, um, and so, yeah, so that template's in there and the, the high priority items you'll find at the top, those are the ones I would focus on. If you have a small team, just get into those high priority technical items and knock those out. For the, the content side, where would I start? I'd start by keyword matching. The keywords I want to rank for and the pages I already have. Mm-hmm. That way I know, um, you know, which, which pages I already have that just need a little bit of, of attention uh, and which pages I need to create. So I would start with the ones where you already have pages, maybe even have some ad data, like those search term and placement uh, data from your ad groups that you could use to, to affect those pages. On the off page side, uh, I think the first place I would start with links is look at your Google Analytics and go to um, go to the the, uh, the content section and drill into any page that has a title that includes 404, right? So take all those pages that people are are sending traffic to that are 404 and redirect them to their best corresponding page. You can reclaim links so quickly in doing that. The restaurant chain we worked with, one of them had a Veterans Day special and they had over 5,000 links that were coming in from really high authority traffic websites and they were all 404. So we took all those URLs and redirected them to one permanent URL and reclaimed 5,000 links in a day. So start there, reclaim those links that that you might've lost over the years when you move content around. Mm. Um, Then next I would look at those those unlinked mentions of your brand. If someone's mentioned you and not linked to you, reach out and say, hey, could you make our name clickable so that people who are reading this article know where to go to learn more about us? That's easy because they've already mentioned you. You don't have to ask them to mention you. They've already mentioned you. You just have to get them to make the, the name you know, clickable. Mm. And then lastly, I would do that, that, that intersecting opportunity we talked about earlier, especially with links. Maybe take the top 20 to 100 competitors in your industry and find out where they're all getting their links from. Like, oh my God, 70 of our uh, of, of businesses that are in our industry are all getting links from this .org site that has a lot of traffic. We need to make sure that we're there because we don't have any visibility there. So run, run that intersecting link audit and figure out, you know, where, where our competitors as an industry are, are getting visibility. Because not only are we going to benefit our SEO, but we're probably going to get some referral traffic out of it because most of those are going to be industry websites, plus or minus the, you know, the, the, uh, strange anomaly scraper sites that come up in some of that research. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, it's just a great, great plan. Well, I think it's awesome because a lot of people are like, well, I just need to buy links. I'm going to go to people that sell me links and they'll just buy whatever links that they're the kind word. of taught to buy. <laughs> it's, it's scary, right? Yeah. Please don't buy links. You can create a, a link building strategy without going to Fiverr, without um, going to an SEO company that says what they do just works and they won't tell you what it is. Mm. That'd be suspicious. And it's mm. the kind of stuff that's going to cost you a lot of money. Mm. Bob's watches uh, was affected by that. They were working with someone who they thought was an ethical link builder back in 2012, 2013. And immediately when we found out the links that they were getting were not, um, were not, uh, natural. There were ones that Google could obviously pick up the digital footprint on and penalize them. It cost thousands of dollars to clean uh, all those links up. They, they wouldn't just remove them. We had to reach out to all those webmasters and say, hey, thanks, but no thanks, right? Please remove those links. So, so think, think white hat. Uh, imagine that every year Google's going to get smarter. Even if you found a loophole, eventually they're going to fill it and it's going to count against you. So focus on, on, on quality, focus on relationships, focus on cross-promoting you know, with, with similar brands in, in your vertical um, that might not be direct competitors 
that you could build partnerships with that is the catalyst to more referral business and helps your SEO because you're promoting for each other. So yeah. I would I would focus on on things where you know you're going to get traffic, uh, you know that traffic's likely going to be relevant traffic. Um, focus on places that that you know will likely get linked to themselves. So if somebody says, "Hey, check it out," we just posted a page up and we linked to you, and you look at that page and like, whoa, it looks like a lot of people might link to this. It's really helpful. Mm-hmm. And a few months later, you go back and use that. Ahrefs tool we mentioned or SEMrush and you look at that URL and sure enough, it's got 20 or 30 links to it from other websites. Now that page is passing a significant amount of voting power to your website and it's going to help you move that page and respectively your supported pages up in the search results. So, and, and if you want, there's tons of free guides out there. I've got a ton of them that Academy of Search, you'll get all of our templates if you want to use that. But um, yeah, talk to someone before you do link building because it's more expensive to uh, to fix bad links than it is to to buy them. Oh, that's a great quote. It's more expensive to fix bad links than it is to to create them. So, just why not just create great content that people actually want to link to? Then you don't need to beg people to link sure. to them and just say, "Hey, this would be really cool resource for your for your audience on your site." Um, you know, I, I think it'd be valuable for your audience to link to it. And they're going to want to because it is, you know, and, and it's one of those pages that you said that can hold. Especially away. if you get them involved in it, especially if you can have them participate in putting it together and you can throw their name out there as someone yep. that, um, you know, that helped put the page together. Uh, then they're going to want to link to it because it helps them get more brand awareness too. Yeah. Content collaboration. That's the biggest thing is like people will think that, oh, cool, I can create content with people. But what's more valuable than the content that you create is the relationship that you create as well from what can happen from that relationship moving forwards. And I'm huge on business isn't about like how do we just get better than the competition, but how do we do it together? Um, because that's, you know, I can say a natural cadence that, that worked for one of the brands that we worked with, Jared, was, uh, was to create that amazing page in about a week's time with images, with graphics, with the how-to questions that we found, and then spend the next week promoting that page with another team member, right? Mm-hmm. So for every page that launches, you do a fast follow to get other websites to reference it. And then you move to the next one. It's just something you put on your calendar. Hey, every Tuesday, we're going to launch a new page. And then Wednesday through the following Monday, somebody is going to go out and promote that page with the expectation of getting one to three links to it. And then do that every time. That way you don't end up with, you know, 999 pages that <laughs> all are great content, but no one's linking to it. And one page with a link. Instead, you get 999 pages with one to three links to it, and that builds the entire website's uh, authority versus you know all the links to the homepage that you get. I think that's yeah. a really repeatable thing to do. Is once you've established you know what l- upper funnel content you want to have, um, you know launch one of those once a week. Um, include images, include quotes from other experts. Link out to uh, authoritative uh, sources when you're when you're fact citing. So that Google knows that you're linking to trustworthy places and not linking down to shady places. Mm. Um, and then, you know, fast follow with the the outreach. Awesome. Wow. You just firehosed us with so much. It's so good. I think everybody's going to have to go away and listen to this. <laughs> I have a bad habit of doing that. I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry. Yeah. It's, that's great. Guys, go away and listen to this and pause it where you need and take notes because that was just awesome, Steve. I want to say thank you so much for coming on. Thank so, you. People can and go I'd and love, check. I'd love to get feedback too on that program. It's um, it's still yeah. beta, you know. We're we're just putting stuff out there. So um, again, code is SEO Steve. Please send me send me your feedback. Do you like the the quizzes? Do you like the 
the exercises where the templates helpful or the checklist helpful. So, um, you know, please, if, if you, if you like search and you want to learn, uh, take that program at, at, you know, at no cost. And, um, I'd love to get your feedback. So that's kind of where we want to go as a business in a couple of years from now. So, um, cool. enjoy. And I hope you learn uh, as much as some of the students that I, that I teach have and, and, you know, I love constructive criticism. So beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you said that. I, I like to tell people when they email me um, or even like if they're going to leave one of my or finish one of my programs, like, let me like, can I have some feedback and preferably just not positive feedback, preferably negative feedback because it's going to make the business better for everybody else. Yeah. Um, that's so cool that you said that. And yeah, guys, there'll be a link to that in the show notes. So please check that out. Um, it's going to be hugely valuable. If you just got any one thing from this uh, podcast, you'll know that that, um, that program is going to be very, very valuable. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. Before we go, I want you to think of two or three people who have a blog site, have a content site, even have, a, a, like we mentioned before, an e-commerce business that wants to grow for the long term, not having to spend too much money on paid ads. Do them a massive favor and share this podcast episode with them because this is we just got fire hose with, with with some awesome SEO information from um, SEO Steve. So thanks so much again, Steve, and thanks everybody for listening. Thanks, Jared. 